0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 16 of the A1 Auto Body Podcast with your host, Nick Sands. Today, I have the lovely Nicole Garrity on with me today.
1: Hey, oh, everyone.
0: I said today twice. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing today, Nicole? Three times now. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: doing great, Nick. I'm happy to have you here at my apartment, and I'm excited to be on your podcast.
0: This is a beautiful place you have. Thank you. Um, we- I, I know that you bought and renovated this whole place right?
1: I did yeah so this third floor unit was rented when I purchased this building and I had to kick the tenants out and I renovated it with um, some investors that I've worked with in the past. They helped me out and I'm really happy up here. I feel like I'm in a little penthouse in the city. <laughs> <laughs> it's of course not a penthouse but you know.
0: Well it's close enough. I mean it's really nice. You guys did a really awesome job Thanks. and it's all like decorated and stuff it looks very nice
1: thank you yeah i take pride in what i keep in here i'm a minimalist so everything that i do keep matters to me
0: there's a couple of really cool things i noticed i saw you have like this sliding barn door and the door looks fairly new but the rail itself looks like and like the hinges
1: yeah the hardware yeah that came right out of my garage downstairs i had I have a garage. It's a two-stall garage, and it used to be a barn for horses. This place was built in 1910, so it's been around uh, for 100 years and plus, right? Uh, so, yeah, so I pulled the hardware out of that garage, and I brought it up here, and I bought a $25 door and hung it. So I'm, those barn doors usually go for like $350 if you ask a contractor really? to do Oh, yeah. yeah. The hardware itself is probably pretty expensive, too, but I got to refurbish it.
0: Yeah, I love that you were able to kind of take something that was already here and make it
1: yeah, I like new, you know, to very ingenuitive. Like exactly.
0: Shows a lot of ingenuity, ingenuitative. I'm not really sure <laughs> what, the, what the right word for that is.
1: I guess ingenuity.
0: Um, so I guess this is as good a time as any to say uh, you are a real estate agent in Manchester, New Hampshire. I am. And you're actually an amazing real estate agent who got me into my own house.
1: I did. Yeah, we saved you
0: from <laughs> Homelessness. <laughs>
1: That was a scary few weeks. I wasn't sure we were going to be able to pull that off for you, Nick. <laughs>
0: I always had faith in you. <laughs>
1: oh, gosh, yeah. That, there was a lot of pressure on that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but you guys found yourself a nice condo, right?
0: Yeah, we're very happy with it. Good. Um. Not condo, duplex. Condex. Condex, whatever. Condex,
1: yeah. So when you own half of the two family the duplex is a traditional side-by-side townhouse, but when you own half of it, that's called a condex.
0: Oh, that's cool. Is that only, is that in the New England area or is that everywhere?
1: You know what? Yeah, I remember we had an issue with your lender understanding that because they were from North Carolina or something, and they were like, what's a condex? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it might be a New England thing. People, since the population and everything's so dense up here, everybody lives so close and we're right on top of each other, you, you've, I'm sure, seen it in Massachusetts. They take these multi-unit buildings and divide them up into condos so that it can be more affordable for people to, to purchase rather than purchasing
0: the whole building. Um so actually just that just reminded me your apartment is actually three stories right so that you own the apartment building
1: I own this whole building right. yeah yeah so I bought this building 2 years ago the first floor is rented the second floor is rented and they pay for my mortgage That's awesome so I uh I don't have any overhead living here <laughs> and you know being a business owner my third floor is rented by my business so if anybody's played with taxes before I'm sure you know how that works right um, I have a great tax guy who helps me out with that
0: so right, I'm yeah. gonna get, I'm gonna get his number out.
1: <laughs> yeah I live for free essentially and that that was my goal is I wanted to make sure that I had as little overhead as possible and could live a, a life without the pressure of you know making a mortgage payment for myself every single mortgage every every single month
0: that's awesome by
1: myself yeah so I have tenants that are helping me with that I rent out my garages and it's working pretty good so far
0: (laughs) was there a lot of work to do in the other two
1: no they've been here for like seven or eight years both of them and their units are both very well kept of course when they do decide to leave I'll go in and I'll renovate it and my goal is to take the first floor and make it pretty well handicap accessible because I have aging parents and they have aging parents and you know, I just want to keep that in mind, first floor accessibility.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's like way more forethought than I've put into anything in my life. Well,
1: to have, <laughs> to have the ability to do that is a blessing, right? You know, yeah. you you work so hard for the things that you do, and your parents work so hard to raise you and teach you how to deal with your finances and stuff, and I want to be able to give back to them when they need me, right?
0: Yeah. Well, as I'm sure everybody who's listening to this and you know that we're big on family at A One, so
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, so I totally, totally get that. Mm-hmm. How long were you doing real estate before you decided to jump into becoming a homeowner or not a homeowner, but I guess a landlord?
1: I just waited for the right opportunity. Um,
0: <laughs> you can take that if you want. <laughs>
1: can, we, can we pause the podcast, yeah. please? <laughs> Sorry, I have two missed calls from the same client right now.
0: Hey everybody, sorry about that. We're back. Um Nicole had to deal with some emergent real estate business. So, um I had just asked her what how long she had gotten into or how long had she been in real estate before she decided to become a landlord?
1: I was in real estate for 4 years before I stumbled upon this property and I wasn't really looking for a property, but it was an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up, so I picked it up. Um, I was at a point in my life where, you know, I was single or on my way to being single <laughs> and I wanted to invest in my future, so I picked up this building. But yeah, I was in real estate for four years prior to that. I felt comfortable making the purchase. I waived my home inspection. Probably wouldn't have done that now, but it's all good.
0: It must be hard to inspect like a three story.
1: Yeah, so the, a home like inspection that. would probably have been like 700 bucks for this property. So the seller didn't really want me to do a home inspection, so I just said, whatever. <laughs> I waived <laughs> it. I would never advise one of my clients to do that because a home inspection is very educational. Um, but it's not required.
0: Well, you probably see enough properties where you kind of have like a fairly good idea of what yeah. you need.
1: Yeah, I took a look at it, and I knew what was going to be needed Um for repairs in this place, and I was prepared to take them on.
0: And how exactly did you get into real estate to begin with? Is it just something you've always wanted to do?
1: Well, I guess I I I was always interested in real estate from a very young age. I like spaces. I always really was fascinated. A lot of my memories from my childhood are about spaces, not really other sensory things, just the way the rooms felt around me and stuff. Yeah, so I've always been very fascinated by that, but six years ago when I did get in real estate, I was bartending at PJ O'Sullivan's (laughs) in Manchester. Maybe if you have like local people listening, they might remember me. I'm Nikki from PJ's. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But no, PJ O'Sullivan's closed and they got it did because it was kind of a black hole for a lot of people. Uh, And that was the point where I decided, you know, real estate was going to be a full-time gig for me. I had just gotten my license and I was... Starting to really pick up a lot of buyers and sellers, I was working at a goss town at that point, and um my career really took off when I just kind of buckled down and focused on it and got out of the bar industry
0: <laughs> i actually um so I've known you since high school, yeah, and I actually use you as an awesome example when I talk to people about like someone who um like, I remember you being, like, this very meek, kind of quiet girl in high school. And then now you're, like, this... Like, you're always very nice, but you're, like, very loud and, like... You, not loud in a bad way, but you you talk and, like, you are fun. You're always laughing. Every time I see you, you seem happy. And That's because like... I'm
1: comfortable with you, Nick. Yeah, I try <laughs> to make sure that I'm myself around clients and friends. Um, I try to be as genuine as I possibly can. But uh, meek, huh? Yeah, I think... You know what changed that for me was actually being in the bar industry. You grow some thick skin <laughs> behind the bar. I'll tell you that, especially when people are drinking, and you know, you just you you learn how to approach every situation with a smile, <laughs> right? And, so,
0: and you're also, I mean, I remember when you got our house, you were great at negotiating and like,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: talking I've, and like. But doing it in a very nice way that people... Well,
1: yeah. You know? You kill just, them with kindness. Yeah. You try and find a win-win. You I, got
0: us exactly what we wanted. I, um, I, I would say that you got us a better deal than we were expecting. So, I mean, I don't know. It was just very surprising because, like I said, I remember you being very quiet and stuff. and
1: Yeah. Well, that's funny. I don't remember being quiet high <laughs> school, So, <I'm, laughs> maybe you're confusing me for someone else. But, maybe. Um. Yeah, well, I appreciate that compliment. I
0: Is that just something you kind of picked up over, like, um...
1: I went to school for psychology, so... Oh, I...
0: really? I didn't yeah, even know that. Yeah, yeah,
1: so I did four years at UNH for psychology and women's studies. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that that probably might influence the way that I I deal with people, and, you know, I'm aware of other people's behaviors and needs and...
0: As far as, like, negotiating and stuff, is that just something you feel like you've practiced and you've gotten good at, or is it something that you...
1: I listen to a lot of books. Never Split the Difference is a great book. Have you listened to it? No. It's by,
0: um... I don't do a lot of negotiating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I (laughs) I mostly
0: turn wrenches. (laughs) Sometimes relationships
1: are a big negotiation, too. You never know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Never Split the Difference is a great book. I listen to a lot of stuff. Um, I think it has a lot to do with experience, you know, knowing what the next steps are in a transaction, knowing what to expect next, knowing where it could go wrong. Um, those are all ways that you kind of handle the negotiation process. It's not really a win or a lose. lose. You're trying to, to create a win-win for everyone so that it's a fair situation all around.
0: Yeah, know? That's what, probably what you want because you're probably going to have to deal with a lot of these people over and over again, right?
1: Well, you know, you, you're, you want what's best for your client. Yeah. That's the person that you're focused on. But if the person who isn't your client, perhaps you're representing the buyer and the seller um, has their own agent. If you present everything in a in a loving, kind manner with a smile on and you let them know that it's going to be an enjoyable experience to work with you and your buyers, then you might be more likely to get that house that everyone else put offers in on.
0: Right, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
1: good relationships are, are very important in this industry.
0: It must be hard to kind of manage those relationships especially when you have like because each person has to have a lender right and then there's got to be two real estate agents a buyer and a seller yeah and you guys are all kind of
1: trying to work together yeah, yeah same end goal yeah, yeah. It must yeah. be
0: hard to manage that as a as from your end is it
1: yeah sometimes my head starts to spin about okay which buyer is working with which lender and which title company <laughs> um who's dealing with who here because everybody brings different players to the game right which can get confusing of course and You know, you just deal with the people as they come and on the level that they're willing to meet you.
0: I know as a kind of a blue-collar worker who's, you know, or a tradesperson, I wasn't even sure I was ever even going to be able to get a house.
1: That makes me sad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure um, if I would ever get a house just because, you know, you never, it seems like so far away, at least it did for me at the time. Yeah. Um, but like, I didn't think I was gonna be able to get a house that when you got as a house. So I can't imagine. Well,
1: you qualified for one, yeah. right? You, you were able to, I'm not sure how much you want me to talk about this, but you guys were able to really turn your finances around and set and set your eyes on the prize yeah. <laughs> and get your shit together. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just out of reach for so many of us that you just need to set the goal. Find the, find the product, find the property that you want to purchase and make it happen with the right team in your court. That should be easy.
0: One of the things that really surprised me was you didn't need as much money as I always expected you did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many different programs around that you can, you can get into houses for pretty much nothing.
0: I was told that you needed 20% down.
1: Wrong. <laughs> Just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. <laughs>
0: Is that did that used to be that way or what happened?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that was a traditional mortgage back in the 80s, maybe that our parents <laughs> had balloon payments where their interest rates were variable and all kinds of stuff. But now there's so many programs out there that I'm sorry, my dog's <laughs> drinking water, that's so distracting. That's okay. Um, there's so many programs out there right now, like zero percent down, and it's true, it really is zero percent down. There's hundred percent financing with USDA rural development loans, which you know, you there's an income cap, you can't make too much money. But <laughs>
0: not a problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, for for the right family, that's a great option. Yeah. To be able to buy a property with zero down, you have your own closing costs and that might be like a couple mortgage payments that are escrowed, a tax payment that's escrowed, a full year of insurance. So, yeah, I mean, if you're not going to negotiate The seller to cover some of your closing costs, you could still end up coming to the table with seven, seven or eight grand, with a zero down mortgage, but it's attainable. That's still pretty good. Yeah, now if if you're in a market where there's not a bunch of buyers trying to fight you for the same property, you can try and negotiate those those closing costs to be covered by the seller.
0: See, I think that's the kind of stuff that a lot of people don't realize. Like, I know for me buying my first house, it was like. There was so much stuff going on that I had no idea yeah. any of the rules or the laws or, yeah. um, it's, I feel or like... Or
1: even like, how do I start seeing houses, Nicole? Yeah, like, exactly.
0: So <laughs> exactly. I found this house
1: online and how do I go see it? Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, well, just, you did the right thing. You called me and I got <laughs> you into the house. And A lot of people don't realize that reaching out to an agent, a local agent, is going to help you tremendously. Now, there's a lot of agents who will pressure you to sign a contract with them so that they can represent you as a buyer's agent. And then there's some agents that, you know, will just give you advice as you need it and hope that you buy a house from them someday. (laughs) The thing is, like, it didn't cost you anything to work with me as a buyer's agent. Right. A lot of people don't realize that. um... Now, it's not the same for all agents. Some agents do charge a buyer agency fee, but I don't. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, when you came to me, I, I work... Pretty much pro bono until we close, right? Yeah. So once we get to the closing date, the seller has agreed to pay their agent a commission and that agent shares their, a portion of that commission with me. Oh, so I that's how it. I get paid. I guys, didn't realize that either. <laughs> Seriously? I mean, after well, we I knew, that? <laughs> I knew you
0: got paid from the other person. I didn't yeah. realize that not everybody did that.
1: Right, so some some agents might say, okay, great, the seller only paid me 2%, but you owe me an extra percentage because my buyer agency fee is 3%.
0: Oh, see, I didn't realize any of that. Yeah,
1: I don't do that to people, though, because you're a home buyer, and yes, I know my worth, and my worth is 2.5%, in my opinion, but I'm not going to chase other people for it because... You're, you're already shelling out a bunch of cash to get into your first property. The last thing I want to do is like ask for more. Right. You know, this was a difficult enough situation for you in particular to get into a house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go asking people for money. So as long as they're not running me around seeing 50 houses for no reason or they're not actually qualified, you know, it, it ends up being a pretty enjoyable experience.
0: And I, the other thing that surprised me was um, I actually didn't have great credit and I was still able to get.
1: That was your lender. I think he, he, <laughs> he some magic on the other end. But I do remember your credit shot up right before you were about to buy something. So somebody must have given you some advice to close something, yeah, or pay we, something off. We
0: had, there was some stuff that I had paid off that was still on my reports. Yeah. And I had petitioned to have them removed. Yeah. And they got removed.
1: Just in time. But
0: like, I had no idea about doing that either until Jeff, the loan Point officer, down. told me about it. Yeah. And then that's... I had no idea you could even do that. It's it seems so like, uh, like houses. You're always told like you need to get a house eventually. Like this should be, what you're shooting for. But I feel like there was no, nowhere that I could even look to, like kind of even walk me through the most basic steps. Except with you as an agent or as with an agent.
1: Yeah, and honestly, that's the best recommendation I can make. Is find an agent you connect with. Work with them, cling to them. Say, hey, I want you to represent me as a buyer's agent and get out there and see some property. If you have an educated buyer's agent, they're going to be educating you along the way. Right. A lot of the learning happens on the way. I couldn't. We didn't have time to sit down and do like a three-hour <laughs> consultation about. For what anyone it's who be doesn't like know, I had, <laughs> I had
0: I had gotten sixty days notice to get out of my apartment, Um, and Nicole found me a house, and my her and my loan officer set it up so that we weren't homeless. <laughs> we were gonna be homeless after sixty days and we couldn't find an apartment for various reasons. We decided to try and get a house. We didn't think we were gonna be able to, and then Jeff and Nicole somehow managed to get us into a home.
1: So with like twenty four hours to spare. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like there was no there was no time left over and um it was just really amazing. I Jeff actually texted me and told me that my loan was so complex and like everything was so uh, complex that they are using it as a case study for, like, what happens if everything goes wrong constantly. Oh, my gosh!
1: <laughs> and you can still close it in under 30 days. Yeah. Yeah, that, Jeff should be really proud of that one. <laughs> he, he pulled it together. He really did. I mean, I'm I'm there on the ground with you making sure the property itself works and, you know, the home inspection, the appraisal, all that stuff, the move-in. Um, but he, the finances behind the scenes, that's something... My hat goes off to him. He pulled some strings there and made it work. So,
0: um, for someone who maybe wasn't in as desperate as the situation I was yeah. in, but for someone who has some time, yeah. what are like some of the steps that you would suggest they take to kind of get moving in the direction where they could buy a house?
1: Great question. Um, start looking at the market. Ask yourself where, what kind of property can you see yourself in? And then look at that market. What town do you want to be in? As you're learning that market, you're going to see what what goes for two hundred grand, what goes for three hundred grand, what goes for four hundred grand, and you know, what you can afford in your opinion or or what your taste budget is. And then from there, if you if you are seriously considering a move, definitely get a pre-qualification started. You can do that with your local lender. Um, I go to St. Mary's, I work with Sunshine over there here in Manchester. Um, there's also, you know, like mortgage brokers who can shop around rates for you. It's all about who, who you're gonna work best with. Everybody has similar products, but different products. So I can always recommend, I can connect you with the right person for you. Um, and knowing the market, yeah, learning the market. So after you get approved, let's say you're only approved for 250, but you you know your taste budget is not that 300 price point. Maybe it's not the time to buy a house, <laughs> right? Or can you rethink your priorities and maybe find some vision in those 250 houses that um, you don't necessarily see through the pictures online? So that would be a matter of getting in touch with me. We can go visit the property and I can give you a ton of ideas of where that hidden untapped potential is. Because that's a huge passion of mine is kind of maximizing the potential in a property. Um, and a lot of the stuff is DIY now. You can do so much by yourself. You don't you don't really need to worry too much about knowing the right people or hiring the right contractors unless you truly can't turn it <laughs> screwdriver. But I mean, hey, there's different levels of projects out there for everyone.
0: Right. Yeah, I think especially with anyone who's listening here probably is for- pretty handy
1: handy yeah so um, if you want a project yeah a
0: yes. lot of it is just like for me and my wife it was the biggest thing was just the school district yep we would have taken a shack falling over as long as we could get if we were gonna have to stay there for a long time get into the we right we probably could district. have found
1: you a better property if a school district wasn't such a thing for you yeah. but that was a value for you and yes. you paid for it right
0: yes. Yes, <laughs> <we did. laughs> um so pretty much it sounds like the most important step here is just like reaching out to an agent yeah. Whether that's you or someone having, else,
1: having an agent in your network that you're comfortable asking questions to, definitely.
0: Okay. Um, and do you need to get pre-approved before you contact an agent? It depends you... on
1: what agent you're reaching out to and what your relationship is with that person. If you're, if you want to see houses, if you want to just, if you want to put sellers out of their house for a half hour so that you can go walk through it and check it out, you better be pre-approved. <laughs> that is rude, right? Yeah. I mean, people accommodate their entire day. They remove their pets. They have their moms come on their lunch break to take their dog out for a walk so that you can see the property. So you better be pre-approved for that, right? (laughs) Otherwise, go to open houses. Right. That's kind of like a free opportunity for anybody
0: to come through. I always forget about open houses. Open
1: houses are fun, yeah. Well, you'll always have an agent at the open house who's usually representing the seller. They'll try and capture you as a buyer and say, you know, get you pre-approved, send you listings and try and build a relationship with you that way. You could just skip that and come right to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember the the woman who was actually evicting us from our house, their agent was trying to get us to hire her.
1: To, yeah, to buy a place. Yeah. Well, I mean, that she was
0: have, always selling.
1: <laughs> well, that might have been a conflict of interest for her, because what if you guys didn't get out in time, right? Yeah,
0: that's true. And it was I, her fault, and I now thought she's about that. stuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, that is kind of weird that she was trying to do that.
1: It, it puts her in a difficult situation.
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's... Interesting.
1: Yeah, liability is something you got to think a lot about in this in this industry.
0: Well, I don't have to. She probably should, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and what about people who are looking to invest? What kind of what's the difference between like looking for an investment property versus looking for like your first time family home? Well,
1: first of all, you should start with an investment property, in my opinion. If you start with the first time family home, it's much harder to get to the investment property. If you're, if you buy your first time family home and then you come to me and you say, "I think I want to buy a multifamily with good cash flow," you need twenty five percent down now because you're not going to be occupying it. Right. So if you're in your early twenties and you're looking at apartments and you're saying to yourself, "Holy shit, fifteen hundred dollars a month for a three bedroom? That's ridiculous." It is ridiculous, but hey, I mean why don't you consider buying yourself a two-family or a three-family because it's not going to be that 25% down if you can live in it. Right. So the trick is there that you got to live in it. Um, a lot of people aren't able to wrap their heads around like, well, why am I going to buy a place and live in an apartment with other people? <laughs> it's like short-term sacrifice will go a long way. I don't want to be in this apartment forever. No way. I'd, I'd much rather be on the water somewhere in a cute little cottage. <laughs> but that's my next step. And that next step will be a lot easier for me to make since I started with this one.
0: Right. Because and then you have just another room to rent. another. I have another unit to rent. rent
1: out here. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not struggling to make mortgage payments every month because I have tenants that are paying my mortgage for me.
0: Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. It's Real estate, to me, has always seemed like one of those things that like. you can just... It almost seems like uh like I don't even know how to put it into words like you have like everybody you hear about who's rich is in real estate but like I've never really seen like a good description of like how
1: well everybody does it differently how you do right that, you know what I everybody mean? does it differently so you really have to ask yourself what how can I incorporate this in my into my lifestyle what what extent do I want to go do I want to be involved or not do I want a building that's just going to have just going to be cash positive and have a property management company run it for me or do i want to purchase something run it myself live in it myself renovate it myself you know it, it like i said projects for every person at every different level right? right so same thing with investing
0: that's interesting and do you think um like if you were going to well obviously if you were going to invest but if you were going to talk to someone else about investing would you Say that like an apartment building like this or a like a home flip would be a better idea
1: ooh i I will always lean towards an apartment building in my opinion. I think it's in my blood like a French <laughs> Canadian, so my grandparents started they built their their family on on multifamily properties so um I think i'll always lean that way, but a flip is a great option for a lot of people depending on their situation, you know. This spring, I went through and I contacted a lot of the people that purchased houses 3 or 4 years ago because they were sitting on a lot of equity, especially if they did a little bit of work. So 3 or 4 years ago, they might have picked something up for 200 grand and now I could sell it for 280, 300 depending on what they did for it, you know, just because the market changed that much. Yeah. Now, is the market going to continue going that way? Nobody knows, but if you can find something that you can put a little, as I like to call it, <laughs> sweat equity, sweat equity, sweat equity into it, um, that's that's always an investment in your future, right?
0: We, I actually, it's funny the house that we got from you, the like prices in that have just continued in that neighborhood because that guy. So the person we bought half of a duplex, the person who sold it to us. Owns all the duplexes on the street. So I think there's 14 of them. Mm -hmm. So he owns all the duplexes on the street. um, And he's been selling each one as the tenants move out. Mm -hmm. Um, So he sells them one half at a time and the prices have continued to go up every single one that comes on the market and i think that we're at fault because we were so desperate that we overpaid by a lot and i think it like skyrocketed the whole neighborhood
1: you didn't really overpay i mean we we used that to our advantage cuz you needed a property and i said hey this guy's willing to pay this for the property no matter what it appraises for and the seller was like great that's going to help my values and it did help its values but now it's helping them grow higher, so it's still helping you. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just wild. Like everyone, i we just like the our neighbor just got um, refinanced. Yeah. And they. Ooh,
1: what they praise that?
0: A lot more than they paid for it. Great. Like, like thirty-five thousand dollars. Are they up
1: into the two hundreds? Just about. Just about. That's great.
0: Yeah. So like, what the, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like a year ago, they paid. 165 for it yeah and now it's almost but i couldn't imagine spending that much money on half a duplex but apparently people will because (laughs) it's just wild to me i don't it's it's like um like cars i understand trucks i understand like i can look at an engine i can look at things and i can say okay this is how it works and like oh look like i can understand machines and how they work when i look at things like real estate or like stocks or like money it's so foreign to me like yeah. i I really i have a very hard time like wrapping my head around like the idea of real estate if that makes sense i don't know i've a lot of people have that issue or if it's just me but it's something that i've always kind of i don't know had a hard time with <laughs> So it's very impressive to me that you can you can you know what I mean
1: I guess so, I guess so yeah i don't I don't find it very confusing, I think every situation's different, yeah, every situation is very different, um like that guy who owned that entire street all of all those duplexes and that's probably what they were built as was duplexes and he owned all of them rented them out as a property management company, yeah, and now that he sees the market changing, he's <laughs> unloading them and, yeah you know it's kind of taking advantage of the lack of housing right now. The,
0: well, he's retiring. So this was always his plan. He just is lucking out because right. <laughs> he ended up selling them at, like, the best possible time yeah. in the best school zone to, like, yeah. the most, like, there's now there's a ton of new kids on the block and stuff, which is oh, awesome good. for Wyatt. Like,
1: yeah, and you're on the dead end, so that's perfect. Yeah,
0: awesome for my son, but it's just uh, it's just funny how that all kind of worked out perfectly for him. I don't know if he planned it or not, but if he did, my hats off to him cuz he killed it.
1: Hey, sometimes we just stumble on it, right?
0: Yeah. He seems like a really nice guy too. He doesn't seem like Good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember he actually offered for you to store some stuff at one of his commercial properties when you had nowhere to put it. Yeah,
0: when we were when we were literally having to leave. <laughs> when we were literally, literally homeless. Literally, for literally what, two homeless days? for a couple <laughs> days, yeah. Um he let us store some stuff at one of his spots. So that was really nice of him. Yeah. Um so What's one of the things that I also really admire about you is that you are not only great at real estate, um, but you're an excellent business person.
1: Oh, thank you. So, like,
0: (laughs) I mean, well, how many people do you know that are you know not even thirty they don't have any overhead (laughs) for their life? They yeah, well, I I set it
1: up that way though, right? You know, right. But
0: how many people are smart enough to figure that out by the time they're thirty?
1: Figure it out, but. That's just the path I've gone on. You know, some people had kids at 21. Was it a path that you
0: decided on, or was it just something you kinda happened?
1: Oh yeah. I think I think it's definitely a path that
0: I manifested for sure.
1: (laughs) 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 Definitely. I guess
0: it's probably not something you can just stumble upon, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, I definitely manifested I wanted to like house hack my way through my twenties. And you know, I I started with a bunch of small apartments that were super affordable. That were super <laughs> affordable. Come on, Siri. Um, and I took those apartments and I would pass them down to my... I'd bequeath them to like my friends or my cousins because I got like really good rates on these rentals. Um, and I was just able to save money. So I saved money and I, I had a good nest egg and I was able to put it down here. So yeah, I think... To call me a, a good businesswoman, I appreciate that. Um, I do. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Is it something that you... Um, like I think a lot of people just kind of have natural talent for different things. Is it just something that you found that came to you kind of naturally, or has it something that you've really worked on or and if you have worked on it, kind of what things have you used to learn and get better? Not well, necessarily just in real estate but just as a business person as yeah. a whole, like understanding money management podcasts.
1: <laughs> Seriously, I listen to so many podcasts, so Lewis Howes, the um, School of Greatness is an amazing podcast, obviously if anybody's listening, they like podcasts, so <laughs> give that a listen. Um, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts, my dad taught me from a very young age to save all my money. Um, But I think that spending it is the scarier part, and that's something that I had to teach myself to do. Yeah, yeah, because you got to spend money to make money, right? So (laughs) taking risks is not something that our parents' generation really was very thrilled about or or open to, right? I don't know about your parents, but my parents definitely are not risk takers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think they were, but in different ways. I think financially, our parents were much more conservative than we are. And that's a baby boomer generational thing.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I think a lot of um, people our age, they see... (laughs) I don't even know. They just... They're much more willing to just kind of throw caution to the wind and go for it. Whereas, Mm. I think past generations didn't as much.
1: Yeah. I know. People ask me, like... When are you, are you, are you going to retire? Do you have any plans for retirement? And no, like, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm working. I feel <laughs> like I'm just helping friends buy houses and getting to know people and, you know, bringing buyers and sellers together. And I live a pretty minimal life that I don't have to worry about how much money I'll have at retirement. I just want that like residual income. To I be follow consistent.
0: you on Instagram and you seem like you have a pretty sweet life.
1: I try. I try to travel a lot. I try to explore a lot. Um, yeah, I, I really love New Hampshire. This time of year is amazing. There's so many good little secret spots and small towns, and a lot of um, a lot of new businesses coming out in, in the Manchester area too. I'm excited about downtown, and they're redoing the master plan of Manchester downtown.
0: So, oh, are they? Yeah,
1: to be more mixed-use friendly and walking. And oh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do.
0: Interesting. There. I know. <laughs> I haven't even heard about that.
1: The, well, they called it Planapalooza and <laughs> yeah I know they didn't really market it very well but <laughs> they, they tried their best <laughs> they pulled in a bunch of like local city citizens to sit on a board and work on redesigning the master plan for Manchester and there was so I went to the final presentation which was at the Palace Theatre and it was actually really interesting that's awesome they came up with some really cool ideas all, all of them don't seem realistic of course but just the fact that people are working on things like that and trying to be you know more sustainable and geared towards more walking environment downtown is really cool
0: do you do commercial real estate as well
1: no i don't do commercial real estate which
0: you sound a little better
1: no no, (laughs) my office doesn't allow us to do it because they want people to know what they're doing in commercial and honestly i wouldn't know what i'm doing in commercial so i'm fine not doing it um i think the way that i dream and the way that i think um It may end up putting me in commercial so that I can do, I can work with young entrepreneurs about finding space and, um, but no, for now I'm sticking with residential. Um, yeah.
0: You were telling me earlier that you kind of do some design stuff too. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So I work with, um, an investor who flips houses and I've kind of created a role for myself with his team in doing those, you know, finish work pieces as far as you know picking out a backsplash and the hardware on the cabinet tree and designing the kitchen designing the layout choosing the light fixtures because you know you, you you let a clumsy guy pick out light fixtures at home depot they're just they might just be running in to grab the cheapest <laughs> I one would right pick the cheapest one yeah <laughs> yeah no but those small details go a long way so and even when i'm helping sellers get their properties ready to list you guys might want to change out that 1980s ceiling fan. It's a quick $100 fix, (laughs) and it'll go a long way, right? So those small things that our generation, the millennials and even younger than us, they can't see past those things. They think that because there's wood paneling on one accent wall, the whole house needs to be upgraded. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know... Design, yeah. I, I do have a passion for design and helping people see where a small
0: improvement can change the look of an entire room. Is that something that you're looking to expand into as well, another area?
1: Yeah, I would love to help bachelors design their pro- their spaces <laughs> like, to be female-friendly and warm and welcoming and functional. I like to make sure that pro- that places are functional.
0: That's awesome. It sounds like you have a lot of um, interest, but it sounds like they are all kind of intermingle pretty well.
1: Intermingled pretty well into being a real estate agent at this point. <laughs> That's just what I do to, to make money. That's my career right now is, is working with buyers and sellers, finding property. And I hope that eventually that can expand to something more.
0: Ultimately, are you hoping to remain a real estate agent or are you hoping to um, kind of move in a different direction?
1: Um, I definitely love being in real estate. I love showing property, seeing what's out there, knowing the market, working with buyers, educating buyers, educating sellers. That is really um, exciting for me. However, I would love to be in a position where I can kind of step out of that role and work more as a consultant and come in and do, you know, design suggestions or sit down and collaborate, brainstorm with a, a couple, help them figure out where their happy medium is. I mean, how many of you guys are struggling with a a partner at home who doesn't want to move, right? But perhaps you might be ready. So finding something that works for everyone, you know, that psychology degree still (laughs) just comes in handy. (laughs)
0: Um, why don't you tell everybody where, where they can find you online?
1: Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at abode team, a B O D E T E A M E. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, Nicole L. Garrity Abode Team at Keller Williams Metropolitan.
0: Um, is what's the best way to reach you by phone or by
1: always text. Okay. Always text. Email also abode at kw.com. Um always on top of my email and my cell phone number 603-540-7637. My office line, I have to I have to legally disclose my office line, 603 232 8282 and my brokerage is Keller Williams Metropolitan.
0: Why do you have to legally disclose So your you're
1: not allowed to advertise yourself without your brokerage. Why? Just New Hampshire real estate law. <laughs> a lot of people do it, but, you that's know... That's very strange. I like to follow the rules.
0: I've never... Even, why? That doesn't even make sense. What does a brokerage even do that, like, a real estate agent...
1: The brokerage is where we hang our license. They kind of take on all the liability if we mess up. Nice. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's where all of the money gets transferred through so when you put down a deposit on a house that's where that money's held in that brokerage escrow account oh cool yeah
0: so how much like day-to-day kind of interaction do you have with them like how much interaction would i have with them
1: none no none so keller williams is just a big franchise and keller williams metropolitan is actually the number one brokerage in the state of new hampshire by far um No big deal. No big deal. (laughs) But all of my colleagues that work in there, there's like 350 other agents in there. A, I don't know them all. B, I've never seen them all. (laughs) And don't quiz me on names, please. Um, But all of those agents all work under that same franchise, Keller Williams Metropolitan. So they see... I have more contact with them as far as marketing my listings. Like, they're the first ones to know about a property that I have coming on the market. So they have the option to show it to their buyers ahead of time. Um... But, yeah, no, you don't deal much with the brokerage. The brokerage is just the, the umbrella name, and then, you know, you could have two agents representing two different parties in the same brokerage. Hmm.
0: That's very interesting. So you're, Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> a lot just, of paperwork. A lot
1: of contracts and legality and all <laughs> that yeah,
0: stuff. All yeah, all the stuff I hate. It's all good.
1: You don't have to do it again for a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on with me, Digital. Thanks I really for appreciate having
1: it. me. This was really fun.
0: Okay. And thank you everybody for listening. I hope you all have a, or I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, if you could all do me a favor and just give me a rating and give me leave a comment and let me know what you think. I don't expect everybody to give me five star ratings. I'm I do. Per- <laughs> <laughs> I'm perfectly content with a one star rating as long as you do me a favor and just let me know what I can do better. Um, thank you very much to Nicole and to everybody else, and I hope you all have a wonderful night.